episode 860. Today we unveil our list of the top 10 Green Bay Packers of 2017. We'll do that with Scott McKenna of the Talkin' Smack blog. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu. Today we're previewing the game against the Minnesota Vikings, coming up a little bit later. First, we're joined by a guest on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're joined the second Friday of every month but with uh, Scott McKenna of the Talking Smack blog. He's BuzzBoy3 on Twitter. Scott, how you doing this morning? Super, Brian. How are you? Very good. As always, glad to have you on the show. And for today's episode, yeah, we're going to preview the Vikings game. Don't worry, we're going to get to that. But we're going to have a little fun ahead of time. We're going to unveil our list of the top 10 Packers of 2017. And both Scott and I are going to go through our list. And I assume it's going to be largely similar. We haven't, you know, uh, revealed our list to each other yet. So I'm kind of excited to see how we line up. But uh, Scott, let's start off with, uh, do you want to go in, in descending order or start with number one? I think let's start with number 10. Number 10. Okay, we'll go in backwards order here. Okay, your your 10th Packer of 2017. Um, you share yours, I'll share mine. And, um, well, you share yours and I'll react to it. We'll, we'll start with that. That sounds good. You know, I've got, uh, I've got Mike Daniels as number 10. And, you know, he'd obviously be significantly higher had he uh, been available for, uh, for more of the season than he has been. But the reality is, is he's only played two games and seven snaps of a, of a third game. But he, he belongs on this list because without him, the Packers start the season 0-1. He single-handedly manhandled that Seattle Seahawks offensive line and just made it difficult for them to move the football. And he also, really, if you, you look at what he did in week one with his monster impact, it was his forced fumble that jump-started this season and has us at 4-1 and one right now. So uh, though he, even though he's been limited from an availability perspective, uh, I, I think Daniels belongs on the list. It was, uh, it was him that got this season started off on the right foot, and uh, without his play, uh, we would have been staring at no one one start to the season. Certainly, I understand your uh, rationale. Uh, I personally left off Mike Daniels because he's basically only played one game, but that one game was amazing. It was one of the best performances by a Packers defensive lineman I, I've seen in my entire life. So I, I certainly can't quibble with that. And you know what? I did the same for David Bakhtiari. Uh, I left him off the list simply because he only played week one. He did a fine job, a great job in week one, but I left him off as two. So number 10 on my list was Lane Taylor, uh, the Packers offensive lineman who I think has been the most consistent offensive lineman they've had, of course, in large part for moving to left tackle. 
um, you know, providing that, uh, you know, steadying influence. And the job he did against the Bears at left tackle was great. It, it wasn't so good last week, uh, but it wasn't the worst performance I've ever seen by a left tackle either. So uh, I think he's holding down the fort. I, I think he's a better left guard than he is left tackle. I can't wait till he gets back there. Uh, but I think he's been the most consistent player on the Packers offensive line. I would 100% agree with that. And you're going to probably end up being surprised as to where I have Lane Taylor. On this. <laughs> so we'll be touching on him a little bit later. Sounds good. Okay. You're number nine player. I, I, I went with an offensive lineman here as well. I got uh, Corey Lindsley. I felt that Lindsley has really been an anchor in the middle of this offensive line. He's really brought uh, great stability to to a line that, uh, that, has just had a complete reshuffling from what uh, what we've seen in past years. When historically, over the last you know three to five years, we've had a top two to three offensive line in football, and all of a sudden you look at what we got this year. We got a new right guard. Um, you know, Taylor isn't playing left guard; he's playing left tackle. We got a left guard that's starting that hasn't hasn't been uh, been in football for over a year. And, uh, you know, we've got uh, a right tackle that's, uh, that hasn't been healthy either. So, uh, you know, you look at this, uh, you look at this, uh, the, the makeup of this offensive line. And, you know, Lindsley has really been uh, doing a great job of keeping ourselves organized. And frankly, I'd have him much higher on the list had he had a better performance against Dallas. He really struggled against Dallas on a couple of occasions. Irving got off the, off the ball much quicker than I think. Lindsley uh, thought he could, and he got overpowered and uh, made two really disruptive plays of that game. But uh, other than that, I mean, I, I just think that Corey Lindsley has been uh, absolutely fantastic this year. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's really helped us to get off to the fast start that we have thus far. Yeah, he he didn't make my list. And, and of course, I, di- I did think he had a poor game against Dallas. But other than that, I think he's been pretty good. Um, I, I, I guess my comment, if I had any on Corey Lindsley, is that he's setting himself up here for a a contract in the off season in, in which you know he's he's working on the last year of his rookie contract, so he's looking for a payday coming up here, and, and I think he's done a good job recovering from surgery during the off season, and, and hopefully he rebounds from this uh, Dallas game and continues to to improve because. Uh, not only are the fat fortunes of the Packers, you know, relying on that, he he himself and his own financial future are relying on it as well. Very, very, very true. You know, it's just a and just to touch on this one 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 little thing about him that that really made me, uh, you know, have him be cemented in this list was you know you look at that bear game, you're playing your hated rival, your most hated rival in football on national TV on a short week and you're starting four guards in Corey Lindsley. And that line was just, uh, <laughs> and this is props to, uh, to Campin and, uh, and props to Lindsley for really keeping the, keeping that unit intact on a day when, uh, boy, that could have been a disastrous, disastrous performance. But, uh, instead we kept Rogers, you know, very clean. And, uh, you know, I, I, I viewed Lindsley at the, uh, the centerpiece of that. Yeah, good good points and and good uh, giving kudos to James Campen as well. He deserves it. My number nine player. I went with Nick Perry, who of uh, maybe 
Had he not missed that one game, maybe he'd be higher on my list. But I think he's been playing very well, even with the club cast. Uh, He's got 18 tackles on the season, two and a half sacks, tied for the team lead, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, a pass defense, albeit his fumble recovery, I believe, was when he recovered that the fumble on the very last play for the last game, in which he didn't even. Then then he fumbled it himself, which is just weird, but that's beside the point. Nick Perry's played very well, coming in at number nine on my list. Uh, yeah, I agree. Perry's going to be on my list here coming up in a couple of spots. He's really just been a uh, – um, when he's been available and on the field, he has just been a dynamite performer thus far. Okay, your number eight player. Number eight, I got Kenny Clark. I've, uh, you know, he's just lived on the other side of the line of scrimmage. He's consistently winning at the point of attack. And, you know, one thing that hasn't really been discussed much that I've seen anyways from the, uh, from the media is he, it, it hasn't mattered who's played inside linebacker. The inside linebacker play has just, we've looked faster. And I think it's just been because, uh, you know, Clark has been able to provide freedom to Rome for the inside linebackers. And, uh, you know, in large part, this is, this has just completely been, in, in my opinion, due to the uh, to the mental confidence that the uh, inside linebackers have had, uh, being uh, being able to uh, to think that you know Clark was going to do his job and eat blockers, and uh, you know he isn't going to be the guy that loads the uh, the box score with stats, but he's doing all the dirty work and he's really made just a, a dominant impact each and every week thus far this year, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I've still got Kenny Clark yet to come, so I, I can agree with all the things you said and and a little bit more even so my number eight player was wide receiver Randall Cobb uh he's tied for the team lead with 23 receptions this season uh his biggest impact came in week one so it may seem like a little bit of a fall off since that time but I think he's come a long way since you know the the bulk of last season you know I think people were souring a little bit on Randall Cobb uh, but I think he had a great postseason last year. I think that's continued into this year for the large part, even if he hasn't had as big a impact as he did in week one. But still, he's he's a security blanket for for Aaron Rodgers, um, and, and I, he's he's found the end zone only once this year. But uh, I I just think he continues to be a good slot receiver, not a great one, but a good one and an asset to this offense. Without a doubt, and he does all the dirty work. What a, just a fantastic team player. A play that uh, you know was was uh, you know one of the one of the more crucial plays of that final drive last week was that, that dump off to Bennett on the final uh, the, and the you know what I believe was a first down picked up a first down when that Rogers said that Bennett caught at his ankles. But what uh, what, what was often on. Or, largely unspoken, I should say, about the play, was the block that Cobb came in and made on Scandrick that really freed it up to even potentially be a first down. Otherwise, that might have only been a three- or a four-yard gain. And it was uh, just uh, – it was really cool to see the teamship and the selflessness of uh, of Cobb on that play. And, yeah, he's had a, he's had a real sharp season thus far. Yeah, uh, obviously Randall Cobb is not going to blow any way, anyone away with his blocking, but he's always a willing blocker and tries out there. Team guy, yes. Uh, your number seven player, Scott. I've got Jordy Nelson. It's been really uh, interesting to watch him evolve as a wide receiver. He's no longer that uh, you know that elite deep threat that we've uh, known to love. Yeah, he's had a couple of big plays over the top. He had the one against Chicago. 
got down the seam on the free play against Seattle for the touchdown. But he isn't the guy that you you count on week in and week out to have that 25 to 30 yard gain, averaging roughly 12 yards per reception this year. Uh, but, you know, I, I just look at what, what Nelson brings from a mental unison with Rodgers and his ability to operate out of the slot, which I think we're going to be able to see more of as we get both of our tackles back and then they can use Bennett, Bennett's versatility and potentially get him, uh, um, you know, lined up to the outside to maybe open up the middle of the field uh, uh, some. But, you know, I, I, I look at that, what Rodgers said about uh, – the touchdown uh, to, to Nelson last week against Dallas and that they went to a check down that they haven't gone to since 2014. And, you know, it's just uh, exceptional to be able to have that mental capacity uh, between those two players and the camaraderie between those two players. And, you know, Jordy Nelson scores a touchdown. It seems like each and every, uh, each and every week. And uh, um, he's not the same guy he used to be, but still just a, Terrific threat inside the red zone. Yeah, uh, I've got Jordy Nelson yet to come, so I'll withhold my comments till then. Um, my, my number seven player, Blake Martinez, um, who, yeah, um, as you said, the, the play of the defensive line is helping him, but he still, I think, made uh, leaps and bounds uh, improvement from last year to this year. He leads the team with 43 tackles. He has a sack. He has a fumble recovery. He has a pass defense. Yeah, there there are things he can improve on yet. There are some missed tackles. He's not as good in pass coverage as he is in run support. Uh, but the the fact that he leads the team with with 43 tackles, more than more than 10, the next closest player, I think, has been fantastic. He he's been out there. He's been healthy. Uh, whereas you know uh, Jake Ryan and Joe Thomas have been hurt. And uh, he's providing that steadying influence, and and I think he's a leader out there, or a future leader of this team. Uh, and I really like what Blake Martinez has done. I have to agree. I'll go save my comments for him in a couple of in a couple <laughs> spots. Got it. Okay, your number six guy. I've got Nick Perry. Um, you know, he's been really when he's been healthy uh, and on the field, he's really been a do it all outside linebacker. He's been a monster against the run, a dynamite pass rusher with a wide variety of moves. I just love the way that he overpowers offensive tackles and and uh, with with muscle, but he can also beat them off the edge with quickness. And I really think with Ahmad Brooks being able to you know add into the rotation and hopefully Beagle to uh, to eat up some snaps as the season goes along. To, uh, to keep Perry fresh. I think Perry's going to be primed for a great statistical year, um, especially as that it sounds like the cast is uh, becoming smaller on that hand of his. And, you know, the other piece about it is, you know, you can look at the statistics and see, oh, well, what, you know, Perry had a sack against uh, against Dallas. And, you know, yeah, you had that forced, uh, the, you had the forced fumble. And, you know, he might have been credited with a fumble recovery on the, that odd last play of the game or whatever it was. But he also, I mean, against most quarterbacks in the league, that guy would have had three sacks last week. You got to give massive credit to uh, to Dak Prescott for his ability to escape out of a out of a, a normally sure tackling Perry's hands. But uh, Perry has been just uh, just a, a bookend at uh, outside linebacker this year. And um, I've, uh, the Packers, in my opinion, are not four and one without him. And uh, I, uh, I really think he's even primed for a, a, a stronger. Um, you know, remainder of the season that he's uh, that he's already performed. Yeah, I think so too. 
my number six player is Kenny Clark, and and Scott has already you know kind of stole my thunder. Uh, not that I'm blaming him, um, but uh, Clark has made. Uh, the, I'll say that this is a case of statistics not doing a player justice. He of course has zero sacks on the season. Um, and, and you think, you know, defensive linemen, all that's bad, but it, it just doesn't do it justice. He he continually is pushing the offensive line backwards. He's playing in the backfield. Uh, he's he's getting quarterbacks off the spot, at least, if nothing else. And he has made 20 tackles, which is the most of any Packers defensive lineman, and he's batted down a pass this year. Uh, so I think Kenny Clark's done real good. Uh, Scott, your number five player. I got Blake Martinez. You know, I, I love the intelligence that he's been able to play with. And I have to say that I have been overly critical of Blake Martinez since he came in and was really hyped up as sort of a savior at inside linebacker. And I, I questioned whether he could play inside linebacker as a, uh, as a, you know, in this league, I've, I've questioned whether he can, you know, I think sometimes he's got significant room for improvement, you know, dropping back, back into coverage, but the intelligence that he plays with, he just brings a style of inside linebacker play uh, really since that Cincinnati game this year that, that we just haven't seen in Green Bay where he's really reading what Kenny Clark's move is and then he's hitting the, the hole right behind Clark, trusting that Clark is going to win the win his uh, uh, win his battle. And then he's hitting the hole with, uh, you know, what I guess I'd consider excellent burst and uh, because of that, he seems like he's playing with more fire. He's playing with more confidence. He's become a fierce hitter. And he's really been playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage in the opponent's backfield. And uh, he's he's really been just a, a great run-stopper. And, uh, and again, you know, sometimes I think when you're doing this sort of thing like you and I do, you have to, you know, go out and say, hey, man, I, w- I was wrong in this situation. And, you know, I've been very, very critical of uh, of Martinez since, uh, since his draft pick. And, he has really just been a stellar player at the inside of our defense uh, of our defense thus far this year. Yeah, uh, which is good for the Green Bay Packers. My number five player here's where I have Devontae Adams, who leads the team or tied for the team lead with 23 receptions. He leads the team with 285 receiving yards. He has four TDs, um, and, and that's where I think you know he his value really comes in is that he's he's a threat in the red zone like he was against the Cowboys last week, uh, two touchdowns and the way he came back you know of course from concussion was simply amazing for him even to be available and out there which uh, I think a lot of people didn't expect so that's my number five and uh, Scott your number four. My number four is Clay Matthews. You know, he's been available. He's been dependable, shown great versatility, has had a couple of just really game-changing, tone-setting type plays. You know, the big play against the Bears early on, that was a 7 nothing game. I think we all expected a real competitive battle. Um, and, you know, Matthews is, for, uh, you know, strip sack that uh, – um, that uh, you know set him as the uh, the all-time sack leader in Packers history. That play really opened up that game and made it a two-score lead and just what became an insurmountable lead for the Bears to be able to think about uh, coming back from. Uh, and then really, uh, you know, him him dropping back in coverage against the Cowboys was just really exceptional. Thought a big play in the game was when the Packers led uh, 22-21. Uh, just over 12 minutes left in uh, second and eight, I believe it was, and 
Prescott seems to hit Witten, and you're thinking, oh, this is going to be another third and one or a first down, and the Cowboys likely going to convert. And Matthews comes in and sticks his hat on the ball, and next thing you know, it's third and eight, and Bryce makes the play, and they're holding to a field goal. And then I also think that, you know, maybe Terrence Williams heard some footsteps from Clay Matthews on that drop pass that led to the Randall interception. So Matthews has been a, a very present player. He seems active, he seems healthy, and he seems faster than he's been in years. Yep, uh, I've got him yet to come. My number four player is Morgan Burnett, which may surprise people. But uh, you know what? With Morgan Burnett, uh, he leads the team with five passes defensed. He's second on the team with 28 tackles. He's actually tied for the team lead with three tackles for a loss this season. Let that sink in for a second. But I think the most amazing part is he's played safety. He's played cornerback. He's played linebacker. He's been so versatile for them. Uh, if there's one thing that you, you gripe with, it's the thing you pretty much gripe with his entire career, that he's not the big play guy. You always wish Morgan Burnett had more interceptions than he comes up with. But I still think that his versatility has been so key. And it's possible he would tumble down this list if he doesn't play this week, uh, which it's not looking good, but nothing being ruled out at this point. Um so, Scott, you're number three. My number three guy is uh, Devontae Adams. I, uh, I just love the way that Adams has, uh, you know, he's evolved as a wide receiver. He's really become, he's fast becoming, in my opinion, a, a premier wide receiver in the NFL, and it's going to be, be a cause for, uh, you know, difficult decisions at the end of the year, not just for the Packers, but likely for him because we won't be able to pay his market value. And uh, he's going to have to decide whether he wants to be catching passes from Blake Bortles and Jackson Miller and Rodgers and Green Bay. Uh, you know, and, and uh, money will probably be a decision maker in that. So, uh, but it was, you know, the most epic thing with it was uh, he, he really showed that karma is a real thing. Uh, took the cheap shot against Chicago and coming back in his performance in that final drive. Um, last uh, last week is just unscripted Hollywood brilliance and uh, um, exciting to see uh, uh, Adams becoming the force that he's been at wide receiver. He wins on the slant. He's got enough wiggle at the middle of his route to uh, uh, to, to win at a double move. And I think we're going to see some of that excitingly this weekend against Minnesota for a big play or two. But uh uh, you know, he's become really a go-to guy, not just in the red zone, but also on third down and a trusted uh, asset for Aaron Rodgers, without a doubt. My number three is Jordy Nelson. Again, we've already touched on him, so I'm not going to say too much, but my comment on him is just how seamlessly he's transitioned from becoming the deep threat, the speed threat, uh, to becoming more of a possession guy, a red zone guy. He, of course, leads the team uh, with, with six touchdowns. I believe that's tied for the league lead, if I'm correct. And even though he's not the long threat he once was, he still has a, he still has the longest reception on the team this year, a 58-yarder. So uh, still getting it done regardless. Number two, Scott. I've got Lane Taylor, number two. Where would the Packers be without Lane Taylor this year? And if you think about what he's done, you know, we, we didn't have our top five offensive tackles for that Bear game. When you consider Barclay and, uh, um, you know, Spriggs and Murphy and Blog and Bakhtiari out, and he just played absolutely terrific, I thought, against the Bears. And, uh, you, you know, he wasn't an all-pro left tackle that David Bakhtiari was against the Cowboys, but he sure brought confidence to 
to Aaron Rodgers that his blind side was mostly protected. And, uh, you know, it's, you, 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 you look at, uh, at what Taylor did even at guard early in the season, you know, he was the, he was the main pillar on the first touchdown of the season where Montgomery ran, ran left right behind him. And, you know, I, I just thought that, uh, Taylor has already earned his contract extension with what he's done in the first five games of this year. And uh, he's bailed us out of a really, really ugly situation that uh, um, has now put us in position where hopefully this week we are going to have both of our bookend offensive tackles, you know, aligned and uh, Taylor can move back to his guard spot. And I just, I feel that, you know, when you look at valuable players, uh, nobody, in my opinion, outside of Aaron Rodgers has been more valuable to the 2017 Packers thus far than Lane Taylor. My number two player, Clay Matthews. I can't believe I would have him at number two, considering the number th- the third preseason game this year, Clay Matthews looked like horse manure. We know at the time he was dealing with a hamstring issue, and maybe that impacted him more than we thought. But since the regular season has started, he's he's been healthy. And, I mean, that's the key for Clay Matthews when he's healthy. And I think the key, he's always been a better outside linebacker than inside. Not that he hasn't been good inside, but I think he's just been – he's better when he's rushing off the edge and he, you know, tied for the team lead with two and a half sacks. And he's got the forced fumble uh, that's been big. So he's been good this year. And, and uh, Scott, I- I'm assuming we have the same number one player. MVP of the league so far. Done it with his arms, his legs, his mind. He's been brilliant in the clutch. He's just purely willing the Packers to victory. And the biggest thing is that I know without being there, he's just harping inside the locker room at 1265 Lombardi. The Packers need home field advantage throughout. He wants another Super Bowl, Super Bowl, and he knows how vital these regular season games are early in the season to be able to win tiebreakers later on. And now he knows he's got one over Dallas, and he knows he's got one over Seattle. And uh, you know that uh, the game that we watched together against Cincinnati, it was uh, the, the Packers had no business winning that game. But, uh, you know, we had a couple of crucial defensive performance and Aaron Rodgers was just, uh, um, you know, straight ice at the uh, um, at the end of the game. And he's just willing the Packers to victory right now. And it's just you feel overjoyed watching him right now. It's it's unbelievable, truly thrilling. Yeah, my comment on Aaron Rodgers is that you can make the argument he's actually played better in every game this season. He started off a little bit slow, and and not every moment's been great. He, of course, had the pick six this year, only the second of his career. Uh, But, you know, he's led these two come-from-behind victories and and won in overtime. And uh, 13 touchdowns, three interceptions, 104.1 passer rating. Uh, and and still getting the job done with his legs, even at his now advanced age, uh, Aaron Rodgers, again, arguably the league's MVP, obviously still have to play the season out, but he's looking like it so far. All right, Scott, we've done our top 10. So before we go, I need to get your prediction and your thoughts on the upcoming week six Packers Vikings game. I'm going to, you know, part of my prediction says that Bulaga and Bakhtiari are our tackles. Taylor moves to left guard, Evans at right guard, and Lindsley in the middle. And what all Packer fans have been jonesing for is a, is a confident offensive line that's dependable and reliable and uh, allows Aaron Rodgers to drop rack and maybe 
allow us to see some quick hitting five wide receiver uh, routes. And I think that we might be able to see the Packers come out with a completely different offensive look at some point this game. And uh, that allows Jordy Nelson to get into the slot where he just destroyed the Vikings last year and uh, might see some Bennett lined up, uh, you know, wide on the perimeter, which is just stretching the inside of that, uh, opening up the inside of that field and stretching those linebackers towards the, uh, towards the sideline and saying that either Barr or, or, or even if it's Harrison Smith or Eric Kendricks isn't going to be in the middle of the field. And those three guys are just intimidating factors, um, you know, as far as uh, shutting down plays in between the hash marks and, I, uh, I really see the Packers winning the middle of the field. I see a big day from uh, from Randall Cobb. I see a big day from Jordy Nelson, you know, manning the slot. And then I also see Devontae Adams being a being a guy that uh, that 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 wins a couple of plays and double moves. You know, the Vikings cornerback situation is just not what it's made out to be, in my opinion. I think he can beat Trey Waynes. I think he can beat Mackenzie Alexander. I don't think Terrence Newman can run anymore. Um, you know, they've got uh, they've got great stability uh, you know, with Joseph and the defensive ends and the linebackers that I mentioned and Xavier Rhodes is a stud and Sunday who who may or may not play. And uh, Harrison Smith are just there's they're stalwarts at, uh, on the defense. There's no doubt about it. But outside of that, and I know that you, you look at those other three to four players that they got on the defense and I think they're very, very, very beatable. We've often talked about this becoming a matchup league. And uh, I think those are some matchups that the Packers just might not win. I think they might dominate them. Uh, Going to see some big plans against uh, against Waynes. I think that the Packers' defensive line does a great job of uh, of, uh, of of winning their battle. And uh, you know, I, I I think at some point we're going to see a big turnover that swings this thing in the Packers' favor. It's going to be a tightly contested battle. But I'm predicting uh, Packers 23, Vikings 20. And, uh, you know, five to five and one would be a, a, a great start to the season. I'm excited to say I'm going back to Lambeau for that Saints game. Hopefully going to the bye at six and one. Be a fantastic start to the year. I love it. Scott, as usual, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, have uh, fun watching the game and uh, can't wait to talk to you next month. Looking forward to it, Brian. Go Pack Go. Hey, one last thing. Yeah. One th- really, really, really interesting about the way the schedule lined up. If you look at the last 60 years of the pack of Packers football, who are the three most hated teams? The Bears, the Cowboys, and the Vikings. We got them back to back to back, two and zero in that run. <laughs> if you can end it as a a three and zero run, what a great stretch in Packers lore for that this would be. So let's seal the deal here this weekend. <laughs> I huh? like it. All right, see you, Scott. Cheers, Brian. Scott McKenna, the Talking Smack blog, joining us here at Railbird Central on a Friday morning. Glad to have him join us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. My uh, preview of the Packers-Vikings game here, uh, I, I kind of like that Scott focused more on the Packers' offensive side of the football and the Vikings' defense uh, because I'm going to focus a little more on the opposite. Uh, I think the key to this game is the Vikings receivers against the Packers secondary. You know, while while the front seven of the Packers defense has been, by and large, very solid this year, the secondary has been the Achilles heel, and that doesn't become any easier if Kevin King and Morgan Burnett are not able to play. Uh, King, of course, with the concussion, Morgan Burnett with the hamstring. 
you'll remember in the past how both Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen have both had big days against the Packers. Not just good days, big days with both of them over 180 yards in a single game at one point or another. You'll remember Demarius Randall largely being the victim in one of those meetings. And if neither King or Burnett are out on the field, the Packers are probably going to be again be forced to rely on Randall. Um, and that doesn't mean he's going to be torched for 180 yards again. But suffice to say, it, it would be nice if the Packers would have a fully healthy secondary. I think the one thing that does help the Packers is that they should finally be learning that Josh Hawkins is able to help. Every opportunity he's had so far in the regular season in 2017, he's taken advantage of it. So if he ends up seeing more playing time, the better off the Packers should be. And, and and on offense, you know, the Packers will just continue to do what they've been doing, I think. And if a healthy Ty Montgomery and David Bakhtiari are out there, it becomes even easier. It's not going to be easy as the Packers found out playing last year in the first ever game at the new Viking stadium. But I think the Packers win this one 30 to 21. Yeah, I think it's a big Mason Crosby day. I think he bounces back from the two missed extra points last game, uh, has like three field goals this game, uh, and contributes to a Packers win in a domed environment. So, uh, that's how I see it. And and by the way, I am 5-0 and straight up on Packers picks this year. I, I am, <laughs> I don't mean to toot my own horn. I'm really good predicting Packers games for about the past three seasons straight up. I, I mean, obviously it's easier to pick straight up than against the spread, but still I, I do better than the regular draw. I got a good, I think my pretty good finger on the pulse of this team. The day ahead. All right. Uh, on Friday, the Packers won't exactly practice. They still have meetings and they do rehab and all that good stuff. Uh, but the thing we're waiting for today is the release of their final injury report of the week. We're waiting to see the status of, of guys in the secondary like Kevin King and Morgan Burnett. And once again, David Bakhtiari on the offensive line, who I assume will be questionable once again. Doesn't mean he will or he won't play. Uh, just got to wait and see. Uh, so that will come out in the afternoon while Mike McCarthy holds his final press conference uh, before the game at 9.45 a.m. Central Time on Friday, so not too much longer after the live edition of the show. Then Saturday is a travel day, certainly not a long one, but they'll head to Minneapolis and, uh, Minneapolis and spend the night before Sunday's game which is a noon central time kickoff on Fox. It's not a national broadcast, uh, but you can get the game on all the other usual ways. The Packers radio network, Sirius Satellite Radio, Sunday Ticket on DirecTV, subscription to NFL Game Pass online, all those things and, and, and more. You know, Verizon customers can watch it on their phone. Um, so there you go. Uh, that's what's happening this weekend. Enjoy the game, folks. Uh, hopefully we're talking about a Packers victory um, uh, on Monday, in which uh, uh, we already got our next guest lined up. Uh, we're talking to the next uh, co-host of the Technical Foul Podcast, continuing that series. So looking forward to that on Monday morning, recapping the Packers-Vikings game. Thanks to Scott McKenna, the Talking Smack blog. As usual, 
uh, the second Friday of every month. He's our guest. We talk Packers. He's BuzzBoy3 on Twitter. Give him a follow. And uh, we'll see you later, folks. Have a good weekend. Railbird Central typically airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's the live edition of the show. Podcasted and on demand later in the day. I leave you today with a song called Cannon in the Heavens by Lotus on Psy Fidelity Records. See everyone. Go Pack Go. To the mattresses and cannibal about it Devouring you average motherfuckers Like a panther does a rabbit does a cabbage